Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We haven't had a lot of fun since the last time we talked. The Buffalo Bills fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a disappointing and kind of crappy preseason game overall that made a lot of old wounds start to fester a little bit. Things that we were talking about this offseason, things that were sources of concern, all of a sudden became more concerning. All the things that you were happy about didn't get any fuel put on their fire. But all the things that you were concerned about got a bunch of stuff laid on them as well. Now, as is the case with almost any preseason game, there is something to be said for positives, and we are going to go through a couple of those. But I want to take a holistic look at the Buffalo Bills versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, and specifically, I want to talk about how the data that we received during that game reinforces or conflicts with data that was something we were talking about this offseason. Everything has potential storylines. It's hilarious because storylines that get resolved from the time the offseason percolates around and the narratives and the talking heads, and we're all sick and tired of talking about the same thing, right? Those storylines that get resolved, you forget completely about them. But the storylines that don't get resolved positively, the storylines that linger, the storylines that go, oh, that was probably a storyline for a good reason. The people who come back and say, I told you so, when they had something negative to say or something they were concerned about, those are the things that stick around. Those are the things you remember. You don't remember the concerns that you came into the season with that got easily addressed. We don't remember any of those. We don't remember any of the conversations about, well, you know, what about the Bills and Mitch Morse's health? That was a big storyline. All of a sudden he plays every game and he's fine. We don't remember those. We only remember the storylines that get reinforced, most notably, in a negative way. But we're going to talk about all the major ones, not just the positive and not just the negative. 
We're going to start with Spencer Brown. Last year, Spencer Brown's ability in pass protection had become a major storyline by the time the playoffs had come around. We all know he missed meaningful time last offseason, recovering from a back injury. But the Bills, as an organization this offseason, acquired nothing that one would consider a meaningful and safe hedge against Brown's elevation to adequate right tackle. Their actions lined up with their words. They said they believed in him. They acted like they believed in him. They continually pointed back to the stunted development that was caused by the injury, and they placed faith in a step forward this year, despite the fact that Spencer Brown was not good last year. He was 11th in the NFL in most QB hits given up with nine. He only played 14 games. Saturday night's preseason game in Pittsburgh did nothing to make Bills fans feel better about that right tackle position for 2023. I am worried. I'm not saying we're 100% pulling the plug at this point, but I am concerned about Spencer Brown. He wasn't the only starting offensive lineman to struggle against the Steelers, but he was the only one that doesn't either have a track record of effectiveness or the contributing factor of being a rookie. That's the reason why he gets isolated. There aren't the contributing factors like, well, yeah, they struggle against the Steelers, but we know that they've done well in the past. A player like Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins is an above average left tackle. He's not elite. No one said he was. He's above average. And when he has a game where he struggles, you look at it like a statistical outlier because on average, when you look at Deion Dawkins' production, he's an above average left tackle. If you had a rookie who struggled, now Osiris Torrance I actually think played well, but let's say he would have struggled, then you would have had the contributing factor that he's a rookie. But Brown doesn't have either of those things going for him. He doesn't have a track record of effectiveness. He doesn't get the benefit of that doubt. He also doesn't get the longer leash that comes along with being a rookie, which is the reason why he's isolated. It is a concern. So we had... That concern, that narrative this offseason, Spencer Brown. So far, how does that narrative look now? It looks correct, which is in this case is a bad thing. It looks like there might be concern there long term. Osiris Torrance was a narrative because he's part of the rookie class. And one of the main talking points during the 2023 offseason, and one that I touched on early in the offseason, if you remember this correctly, I talked about Brandon Bean needs to hit a couple dingers, right? There were some singles, there's some doubles, there's some solid players. If you want to help the longevity of the Bills' Super Bowl window, you got to hit a dinger or two in the draft. If you want 2023, 2024, 2025, if you want those versions of the Buffalo Bills to have the door open or the window open, whichever hole in the house you'd like to use as a metaphor, a couple dingers would help. So far, so good for Osiris Torrance. He was taking the second round of the 2023 NFL draft. He has already shown a consistent level of play in both the run and the pass game that we didn't see in Cody Ford. Now, it's important to note that Ford's development was undoubtedly stunted by the fact that they played him at tackle his rookie year, despite plenty of people yelling at them and saying Cody Ford was a guard. But Torrance has been exclusively a right guard since his arrival in Buffalo. I'm glad that they haven't been moving him 
all over the place. I think it would be harmful toward his development. And I think we're seeing dividends for that. He had a pretty strong showing. The Steelers front seven is legit. And at this point, I think it would be a surprise if Osiris Torrance was not the starting right guard for the Buffalo Bills rolling into week one against the New York Jets. An effective starting right guard. Not just the starter by default. Not just the starter because you don't have anything better. Ryan Bates is perfectly reasonable at right guard. But you could get something better than perfectly reasonable when it comes to Osiris Torrance. Maybe it's a dinger. We'll see. Speaking of rookies, Dalton Kincaid. He ran one route against the Indianapolis Colts in week one. The bigger storyline wasn't how he played. It was when and with whom. We talked about this before. In the preseason, how you play is great. When and with whom you play is predictive. That tells you what the team thinks about you. And the Bills played him as if he was a starter week one. They played him as if he was a starter week two. They didn't play him as if he needs seasoning against backups. Then against Pittsburgh... They played him like a starter, and he performed like a starter. He had impressive route running, hands, fluidity. His ability to make the catch part of his motion is important. You guys probably watch the combine, because if you listen to this show, you're probably a super fan. If you're a super fan, you probably watch the combine. And you watch the gauntlet drills, where they run down the line, try and stay on the line, looking left, looking right, catching the balls as they come at them. One of the things people are looking at is, is the catch motion part of the run motion? Can the upper body operate independently of the lower body? Or do you have this situation where they're like jumping to catch it, right? Are they so focused on the catch that they're losing the fluidity when they run? How natural of a catcher are they? Dalton Kincaid is a natural plucker of the football. And that's another notch on the belt. If Brandon Bean drafts two starting caliber players who are both above average at their position, that's like a triple. That's not singles or doubles. Now we're talking triples. And if either one of them were to be maybe pro bowler, all pro kind of stuff, now we're talking like home runs sort of stuff. I'm interested. So far, so good for the first two members of Brandon Bean's 2023 class. In a year where it was important that you hit a dinger or two, there's a possibility he might have done it. And that was part of the offseason narrative. Hit a dinger or two. And if they do, that's a huge deal. Those are two fewer holes the Bills need to fill moving forward, which then means if you hit a dinger or two, now it's plus. Now you're not replacing people with draft picks. You're adding to the talent on your team with draft picks. And that's how your team gets better. I'll tell you how the team didn't get better by letting Tremaine Edmonds walk. We talked about this a lot this offseason. It was a constant refrain, middle linebacker. When you let a Pro Bowl linebacker walk in free agency and you replace him with essentially nobody, you're testing a couple things. You're testing your depth of the position, your ability to coach up the players who are already on the team, and... You are testing the idea that a linebacker is a replaceable position on defense the way that running back is on offense. That is one of the conversations that is being had about off-ball linebackers. 
Are off-ball linebackers to the defense what running backs are to the offense? As far as replaceability, asset allocation, things like that. I don't personally buy it. I personally don't buy the fact that you would devalue off-ball linebacker the same level you would devalue running back. I'm not there yet. I'm not. I think linebackers do a lot more for your defense than running backs do for your offense. I think they're harder to find. I think the difference between a really, really good linebacker and a replacement-level linebacker is a lot bigger than the difference between a really good running back and a replacement-level running back. So I'm not there. But so far, not so good for the Buffalo Bills. 2022 third-round pick, Terrell Bernard, has been hampered, likely out of the week one starting competition at Mike Linebacker due to a hamstring injury. That leaves Tyrell Dodson in the driver's seat for the role, and it hasn't gone well so far. Dodson struggled against the Steelers after an underwhelming performance against Indianapolis, got caught up on blocks, got frozen by misdirection. In addition to the qualitative nature of his play, there was the timing that stuck out. This is the when and with whom conversation. Dodson was playing with the third team defense in the fourth quarter, which means now I'm starting to think maybe A.J. Klein has a shot at being the Mike linebacker week one. And all of this is ironic because there is a chance that Terrell Bernard was going to be the guy and we are watching people compete to be middle linebacker two. Because Terrell Bernard could have been the dude. We don't know that. He got injured at a spot where it was really down to him and Dodson. And then he got hurt. So there's a chance it could have been Terrell Bernard. We could be feeling very, very, very different about this position if Bernard had come out and played well in the first two preseason games. That's how slim the margin are in the NFL. We could be feeling very different. Now, I don't have a a super high level of optimism for Bernard. We've talked about this before. I don't know if the skill set translates, but at this point, I would love to see more options. And the fact that we have that unanswered question out there kind of bugs me. Your guess is as good as mine at this point regarding where one Bill's drive goes to the position. Because right now it doesn't feel like there are any options that intersect what the team would do and what would make the middle linebacker spot better. I think it's just hang on and wait until Bernard gets back and see where it goes. I really do. Last narrative that was a big part of the conversation in the offseason was Kyrie Elam. I think Kyrie Elam is the third guy at CB2 right now. That's based on the way that they're playing him. The way that the team is playing him in these preseason games, they are playing him as if he is definitely not the starter. They are playing Dane Jackson as if Dane Jackson is the starter. I would be shocked, barring injury, if Dane Jackson does not roll out there week one. Christian Benford has played better than Kyrie Elam. There is a chance that Elam is the third guy for CB2, which would make him probably CB5. White, Jackson, Johnson, your three starters. Benford behind him, Kyrie Elam there. Saran Neal maybe right there because Saran Neal's backing up in the nickel. I don't know how you can look at this as not being a disappointment at this point with the expenditure that you had. 
There is no scenario where you invest a first-round pick in a cornerback and you're pleased if he's the third guy at his position after one year going into a second. I don't think you can talk your way around that as to that being an okay proposition. Good players on rookie contracts are incredibly valuable. You are approaching, you are 25% of the way through the rookie contract for Kyrie Elam. And he is the third man up at CB2 right now. There's no other way to talk yourself around this aside from it being a disappointment. Now, it's not that Kyrie Elam has absolutely crushed every single obstacle and it can entirely be blamed on coaching because I watched him in the preseason too. I don't think he's playing all that well. He's eh, okay sometimes. There's certain reps where he looks really stiff, but he hasn't played well enough for me to go, coaching, what are you doing? One of the things I talked about on this podcast a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the case for him being CB2 and the case against him being CB2 is that all year long they were telling us that he wasn't in their good graces as far as being trustworthy. He wasn't the guy. And then in the playoffs, I thought he played really well. And you thought, well, that's the last time you saw him. Therefore, hey, he should go in with a leg up on CB2. But whether it's regression from Kyrie Elam, whether it's we didn't trust the injury for Christian Benford, and that's the reason why we didn't play him in the playoffs. Either way, it looks like Dane Jackson's not only the preferred starter, but Christian Benford would be the guy behind him. There is no way the biggest homer cannot look at this situation and think, yes, we are happy and pleased with the trajectory of Kyir Elam as a first-round pick. Here we are going into a second year. You can't do it. So that's disappointing. So we talked about four different things. Spencer Brown, Beans Drafting, middle linebacker, Kyrie Elam. Three of them got data added to them so far this preseason, specifically against the Steelers, that were bad. One of them, Beans Drafting, got data added to it that was good. 75% of our offseason narratives, the major ones, the tent poles, wanted to go four so I could make that statement, had data added to them this far. That haven't been good. So I understand why people would be a little disappointed by that. I'm disappointed by that. But we are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year 
at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Well, that wasn't a great opening, but got to be honest, there are four major narratives. Three of them got data added to them against the Steelers, and three of those were bad. The fourth one was good, and that's Beans drafting. Happy about that. Two rookies right at the top. Look pretty good. Not going to lie. But what we're going to talk about now is we're going to take an opportunity to kind of dive through some emails. Joseph sent me an email and said, Bruce, simple question. Let's assume Cook is definitely RB1. What type of plays do you see him running on first and 10? Let's start right there. Running on first and 10, I don't love anyway. But if they were to do it, Joseph says he's different than Singletary, Shady, Things like that. Because Shady had speed, but he could run up the middle here and there. Is Cook doing more stretch plays, off-tackle, option runs? How may his play design look different for him as a primary back? Number one, I think you'll see some mid-zone. Cook did well in mid-zone last year. So I think I would expect to see that meaningfully. I think that the Bills probably self-scouted that and said, hey, you know, Cook really does well in mid-zone. So I think you'll see a lot of that. But overall, two to one ratio, the Bills have a tendency to run man to zone as far as gap schemes, more gap schemes than zone schemes. So I do think you will continue to see uh, pin and pull be a meaningful part of it. Um, I do think now that you're in 12, I would expect to see some stretch. A lot of people like to run stretch out of 12. So I think if you run more 12 personnel, I think you'll see more stretch. So I think mid-zone, I think you'll continue to see pin and pull and power. And then I do think you'll you'll start to see some stretch. So I think those are the things to think about when it comes to uh, runs. Last thing I want to talk about today, because we're running a little behind on time, and I wanted to get it in, but I didn't wasn't quite sure how the rest of the stuff was going to go and how long those things were going to take, is I want to talk about the categorization of data. So as you go through your life, you are bombarded with tons of data, tons of it, all the time, all day long. It's just constant influx into your brain. It feels like in today's society, we are inundated with more data than we've ever been inundated with in human history. We have more information thrown at us from all angles than we ever have, which is why categorizing that data becomes extremely important. After the Buffalo Bills lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was the typical stuff on social media. And 
I am fortunate that there was a specific person who used to be a follower of mine on Twitter who is responsible for two segments now in the history of this podcast. Years ago, he tweeted at me and made a comment about Josh Allen playing well despite the worst play calls he's ever seen. He said, I expect you to hold them to account. And that inspired a segment where I talked about it is not the media's job to hold the team accountable. Like that's not the function of the media. It's just you being angry and wanting someone else to yell on your behalf. That inspired segment was brought to you by this guy. And now today, we're going to have another segment inspired by this guy who said, I don't want you to pretend everything is okay. And I said, you've got the wrong guy, my man. Nobody said the Bills' quality of play today was good. In fact, I just did the entire first segment of this podcast about three out of four off-season narratives had bad data added to them. I will be honest. I will not sugarcoat things. But I am the it's just a game, let's move on and play Mario Kart and laugh at funny dog videos guy. That's who I am. And if you don't like that, then the ball is in your court because I'm not going to change. I am not going to alter that about myself. So that's just the way it's going to be. Sorry about that. People told me I should use my platform more effectively. My dudes, I have no power to change anything with my favorite team. I am a hobbyist content creator. The best things that I contribute to the space are pictures of dogs and memes. I did a musical episode. That was fun. I just want to share a shred of joy with my people. But it brought me to this realization. I was thinking about the way that we categorize data. And every piece of data that you receive falls in one of three categories. It is either something you acknowledge, it is something you have a preference for, or it is something you are responsible for. Everything gets categorized in either acknowledgement, preference, or responsibility. The sky is blue. That is an acknowledgement. It's just a data. It's just a piece of data out there in the ether. Water is wet. We know it's true. It's a piece of data out there. Do you wish water was dry? Do you spend any time meaningfully stressing over that? Probably not. It is in the acknowledgement category. It is something you acknowledge is true. It's data you have, but you don't do anything with it. And then you have preferential data. It is something you have an opinion on, something you might have a take on. The Buffalo Bills fall into this category for me. It's a step past acknowledgement. I acknowledge the Bills play poorly, and I would prefer that they don't. I acknowledge the Bills didn't win the Super Bowl, but I would prefer that they did. It is preferential data. We're having meatloaf for dinner, and I would prefer that we didn't. Because I don't like meatloaf. Actually, that's not true at all. I love meatloaf. I'm just using an example. This is preferential data. The final step is responsible data. It is something that I own. My actions have a direct impact on this result. I am responsible for it. It is something I carry on my shoulders. My job would be an example of something I am responsible for. My marriage is something I am responsible for. My actions directly 
impact it. I am a steward of it. It has been given to me by the universe, by life, by a spiritual body, whatever you'd like to imagine. And I am responsible for its care. Sometimes I think we really start to conflate the second data categorization and the third data categorization. We do not own the bills. I do not own the bills playing poorly. It is not my responsibility. I can acknowledge it. I can have a preference about it, but I don't own it. And so I'm not going to stress about it the way that I stress about the stuff that I own. Because it's not my responsibility to make the bills play better. I have a preference. I would prefer that they do play better, but I don't own it. And that helps lower my stress level when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Because I've categorized every piece of data in my life. When these things come to me, I take a deep breath and I go, okay, do I own this? Do I acknowledge it? Do I have a preference about it? Or am I responsible for it? Am I a steward of it? And sometimes I think the reason why we get so stressed out and we get so upset about Buffalo Bills games or LA Dodgers games, Chicago Bills games, or whatever it is, is because we're trying to put something in a bucket it doesn't belong in. It doesn't belong in the responsibility bucket. It is not your responsibility to ensure that the Buffalo Bills play well. You have a preference. You might have a strong preference. But I'll never forget, one of my followers, one of my listeners, Andy Anderson, has mentioned this before to me. That it's like your favorite TV show. If you're watching your favorite TV show, maybe it was The Walking Dead, and you really don't like how they handled some of the characters. You have a preference. It didn't go your way. You're you're upset about that. You wish it would have gone your way, but you don't own it. It's not your responsibility. You don't, you don't carry it on your shoulders because nobody gave it to you to own. Nobody handed the bills to you and said, here, take good care of them, please. Steward the Buffalo Bills. Make sure they do well. No one did that for me. I have a preference. It is preferential acknowledgement. It's not responsibility. And it's not just acknowledgement. It's not the same as water is wet because I do have a preference. I would prefer the Bills win, but I don't own it. Somebody else owns it. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, the players, the person who actually owns the team, those people have responsibility for seeing to it that the Buffalo Bills play well and generate revenue. It is not my job. It's not my responsibility. So ultimately, people have asked me before, Bruce, how can you just turn it off? Just go hang out with your dog. Enjoy your life. I, I've mentioned before that one of it's because I'm not going to waste any time because I don't know how much I got. But this is also a reason. I didn't categorize it as data that is my responsibility. And I mean this with all the love in my heart. It's not your responsibility either. And you deciding that it is does not make you a better fan. It just makes you more miserable. We wear it like a badge of honor. The, the stress, we, we love it. 
Like, because we think it makes us better fans. Well, I'm a bigger fan because I'm more miserable. I had an acquaintance who had his Mondays ruined for almost two years because he was a Browns fan. They went 1-15 and then 0-16. and He had 104 days. One of them was not ruined because they won that week. And even then, it was kind of a, a har-har kind of thing. He's not, you're not a better fan. You're just unhappy all the time. We're just owning stuff that's not ours to own. One of the best things you can do for mental health is to own the stuff that's yours and cling tightly to it and care about it and be responsible for it and cherish it. And the stuff that's not your responsibility, don't own it. Don't carry that stuff that's not yours. So that would be my encouragement. And I'm going to keep beating this drum in the hopes that you are happier. That's what I want. I want joy for you. I want joy for your life. I want more of it that way. And one of the ways we can do that is by categorizing data appropriately. Is this something I just acknowledge? Is it something I have a preference for? Or is it something I own? Is it something that was given to me for me to be steward of? I have a preference for the bills. I do not steward the bills. I do not own the bills. I am not responsible for the bills. I am responsible for paying the bills at my house. And I'm going to go do that. And every time I write a check, I'm going to say, well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. <laughs>